We're locked up. Yeah. Bit of econ. Started yeah. off. Yeah, absolutely. We are locked up, as Josh said. Uh, last last week, we were enjoying uh, our getting ready to go out to have our, our Christmas boys out days out. And now me and Josh are here on a Monday at one o'clock, half past one, both locked down. Uh, Josh, talk us for your. Uh, moment of revelation when you knew you had uh, COVID. But to be honest with you, that video of Peter Ridsdale when he was talking about Leeds going bust came to mind. <laughs> Should we have gone out over Christmas? Probably not. But we lived the dream. <laughs> <laughs> we did live the dream. I think, uh, I, think... I think... Yeah, for me, I've got to be honest with you, I felt it was coming. Yeah, I think I was yeah. sat. I was sat. I was sat over Neath Boxing Day, a couple of points deep, and just in, in the back of my head was definitely going to be positive in the next couple of days. Yeah, yeah. I think um, we we all thought uh, the safest place probably was the cricket club, so but we didn't go there. And in hindsight, it's probably the best thing we didn't go there. Otherwise, we would have COVID uh, over Christmas. Although um, we did go to the Belford, so. Yeah, I enjoyed the battle. Good rave. Good rave. Um, Joel Elliott on the deck. Yeah, shout out to Joel. I think we look like the biggest gimps going, didn't we? There's, uh, there's loads of youngsters uh, uh, enjoying their uh, their rave, and we were sitting in the back, uh, Christmas jumpers on. Uh, oh, come on. We, we weren't as bad as the bloke sat there with his butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a bloke eating his butt as well. Um, but yeah. Uh, that was, that was interesting. Um, how was your Christmas, Josh? Yeah, good. Well, as I said, we lived the dream. We lived we um, did the dream. Yeah. yeah, no, it was good. Uh, yeah, it's when all my parents standard Christmas day. And I went, hey, it was great to be back down the club Christmas Eve. Oh, Christmas morning. Yeah. Free yes. fun Christmas yes. morning. Um, yes. And then, yeah, went home, put an absolute dent in Christmas meal in the, yeah. in the Christmas dinner. And then went home, collapsed on the sofa and watched... Watch the absolute shambles that is England. Yeah, this. Oh, cricket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolute shambles watching uh, the Boxing Day Test. But yeah, how was yours, man? Yeah, it was good. It was good. Nice again. Nice to be down at the club. Um, nice to spend time with some friends and family again. And uh, I got my my taste back for Guinness as well over Christmas. So I'm um, I'm a Guinness awesome. man again. That's yeah. dangerous with a potential trip to yeah to, to Dublin, Dublin in yeah. uh, the first week of Feb. Yeah, I thought I'd get better start training tonight because uh, <laughs> it's going to get loose. But yeah, it was good. It was good. I was going to comment on the shambles of the Christmas TV lineup. To be honest, um, the only good thing I watched Christmas night was the Wheel with Michael McIntyre. I enjoyed that, but in England cricket definitely added to the shambles of of the Christmas TV lineup. Tell you yeah, what, I, I, I was twitching on the sofa. I was, it was like bloody watching all but all but summer. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I've seen that many a time. But um, no, Christmas TV, I missed out. I missed out on it completely. So I didn't have it on. Just had um, Netflix and Prime and stuff on, and then checked the cricket yeah. Sky Sports on. I didn't really watch much of it. Yeah, I was lost without the sport Boxing Day. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I oh. I enjoyed, uh, I did enjoy Leicester and Bristol, but the rest of it went. Uh, it was a bit of solemn. Um, obviously, we we joked about it, Josh, but um, there's a lot of cases, especially in Wales and more particularly Talbot. So anyone who's really ill over COVID, we hope to get uh, healthy soon. Um, I'm feeling completely fine. Like it's it's a weird thing that that I've. Got enough. The only reason I found out I was positive because of the lateral flow. Apart from that, I'm fine. Um, but yours too. I'm not going to mention his name, but there is a super spreader in the club, in the cricket club, and there is there's 30 cases in the club. I won't mention his name because it's not legally correct yet. But when I've had a Moretti or a Guinness, I will probably thank him for him spreading the COVID around the club. So yours to the unknown, uh, the unknown bloke, unnamed, unnamed bloke. Well, usually at this time of the pod we do beer of the week but um, I'm doing dry jam now you, you, this is, I don't get the reason of dry jam because you're going to just smash more of it in February and March for Six Nations just feel as if I need some time off for it to be honest yeah, okay. um, it's not a right just trip I'm not raising money for anyone yeah I'm not going to ask people to give me money to not drink. Um, yeah. So I, I don't really agree with that, but there are. Um, but so what I'm going to do is drink the week this week, and Sam Torwin kindly dropped me off one earlier, is a La Memo Beach coffee. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Um, I, meant, I meant to nominate these boys for Team of the Year. Last week, yeah, yeah, good show, Josh. Mehmet many, people, and many people listening will will back us here. The team of Mehmet and Suet down Lamemo Beach, pumping the coffees out, rain and shine, three hundred and sixty four days a year. Love it. Open to, open from eight in the morning till bloody five in the in the afternoon. Um, they've been there for everyone over lockdown. In fairness, yeah. Um, and I think they're a bit of a unsung heroes of this pandemic for the, the town of Batalwood. So I had a hazelnut latte earlier, which was delightful. So cheers to La Memo Beach. Yeah, cheers, La Memo. I enjoyed that. I was, I was pit stopping our uh, in walks during lockdown. And, you know, Josh, all the older heads would go for a coffee like Josh and that. And uh, I'd go for my bottle of Pepsi and my uh, one scoop of Raspberry Repel. Raspberry Repel. Been replaced though. Raspberry Swirl, no, it is the same, but it's this different name. But, but yeah, anyone who, are, anyone who hasn't been down there for coffee, get down there, support the boys. Yeah. Make some noise. <laughs> you can tell we're getting bored in lockdown. <laughs> um, just one quick, quick note. Obviously, uh, we were doing our Sports People of the Year last week. Uh, and it totally slipped my mind. Um, it must be the excitement of going to the bell that was uh, that was overshadowing it. Um, we, we're quite fortunate, and uh, we, in terms of we, excuse the pun, we're punching well above our weight in a certain area of sport, and that's the, the boxing and, and some fighting. And um, they were mentioned on our on our Instagram page the other day. Uh, Obviously, Josh John is that his pro career undefeated and was on SOC and a good uh, Entry Street boy. Um, uh, Cassius Walker Hunt for winning the 92 kg Welsh elite title, which was a fantastic achievement. 
um, around, amongst our another range of boxers who are coming back, like Colin McIntosh, Stacey Pearson, uh, Josh Mealy's been doing really well. I know um, Stephanie Page Harris is uh, Evan, sorry, is um, won two uh, fights in cage fight as Wales this year. Um, so really well done uh, to them guys, and uh, we can't wait for twenty twenty two. And uh, we'll we'll have all the updates because obviously the Bulldogs Boxing Club is next to us, and uh, we'll speak to Connor and and other people shortly. But well done, guys! Awesome, hot work. What a tone. What that it is, and it, I get it like this every time I come home. You think of other places, you think of other people. It's a ridiculously unique town. There's not not another place. There's six rugby sides in in the space of two point five miles. There's five football teams in the in the league below uh, the Welsh Premier League, and then the amounts of Welsh uh, Patalba Premier League and Patalba Football League uh, uh, teams. You've got. Loads of cricket sides. You've got boxers. You've got fighters. Runners. You've got runners. You've got bowls teams. It's it's amongst everything else. You've got got loads of good golfers. It's it's crazy in it to think of at all. But in and we get we do get shot down quite a lot by people living outside of the area. But you shove it up your ass. That's what I say. Exactly. Everyone else outside all, but shove yeah. it up your ass. Shove it up your ass. Shove it up. So, Josh, our main topic of today, we, we're doing this quite on a, on, on a wing when we, we thought uh, we better do one considering we're in lockdown. Um, taste for back or food? Yeah, Ali, Ali, after last week, I was like, I don't know, I got these new AirPods which I had for Christmas off my brother-in-law, which are lovely. Smart, yeah. You know, it, it, I'm ready to rock and roll again. Um, um, but we're going to look at uh, today the impact of a coach. Um, it's something obviously I'm very passionate about. I know Josh is very passionate about, it, and that's the way we really go into this pod because we would a lot of talk about coaching, etc. But we're going to look at the wider scale of um, coaches in the professional game and what impact they have, and then we're going to bring it back down to the local coaches. So, Josh, what's your? I'm going to put him on the spot in a sentence or two. What do you what do you think a coach stands for? What's his role in a in an organization? And this put me on the spot. Mm. And in this pod, let's just get it out there now. You're the qualified one in this conversation. I'm just going to talk the nonsense. Right. I wouldn't say qualified. <laughs> no, I think, <laughs> yeah, on the spot, what is a coach for me? I think it's someone who sets uh, the standards, is the ultimate leader within the group. Um, and is also... How do I word this? I'm trying to think how to word this. But you got you got to have like you know two sides of your hand. You got to be firm, but you got to be approachable at the same time, like a a father figure. Maybe I put it that way. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I think the coach underpins everything that that's, that you identify with your club. Um, it's I think definitely, it's like, yeah, like you know they set the values, the philosophy, what. You know, they set the rules about what they want that team or club to stand for. So they put the building, you know, foundations in place to let the players and whatever build on top of that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And and definitely it's it changed in football quite a while ago, but certainly seen it in rugby now. The coach's role has changed completely in, in terms of head coach. You're not just looking after the team anymore, you're looking after um 
everything else, especially in rugby. But I say, in my football, in terms of football's going the other way, kind of really, and it with director of football's coming in and sporting directors, you're just looking after the team. It's 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 flipping in in terms of you're not just managing the club. You you you're manager, but basically you've got a in most clubs you've got director of football, you've got sporting director, you've got um, technical directors, head of recruitment, da da da. So you're just looking after the side. Whereas in rugby, you're kind of director of rugby, so you're looking after everything else, and then and then and and the team. Um, yeah, I think that's an important point. I think the role the role of manager or coach. I think the the term manager is probably outdated now. Whereas, yeah. you know, however many years ago, football manager was exactly that. They managed the club as yeah. a whole. They oversaw everything. Whereas, as you said now, football has gone the way of director of football looks after transfers. Um, head of operations looks after the stadium and training or whatever. Head of recruitment looks after scouting. I think in football, you're more employed as a coach now, not a manager. I think that term football manager is probably outdated but it's probably just head coach now you see yeah starting at an elite, you know, elite level you see all these managers coming in that's all there is in the news is about you know transfers they they're not happy with someone being brought in I'm not sure I think there's pros and cons for a director of football but I think I'd probably put myself in like the old school category where I think if you come in as a coach or manager I think you've got to have full control over who's in your team yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think coming in and, and being told this is the size, this is who you're signing. I, I, I just think if I, if I was ever a football manager, or whatever, I think you'd want full control over your players' work because you know who you brought in is going to play through. I think, yeah. and you've got what you want. And as you said, but on the flip side with the rugby, if you are director of rugby, you are. You are taking control of the old shebang, look. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm seeing it. You're seeing it with one certain club in the Premiership, and he's getting hammered for everything. But he's not really in control of the coach, and he's basically more. His name is his director of rugby. He's looking after the top one of the coaching, and he's getting hammered for for things. And I'm like, the head coach really needs to step up and take some press here because the director of rugby is getting hammered for it. So. Uh, I think it's get it, and, and I, I think some people around the top it can get a bit saturated, and it could be loads. Of, I, I'm certainly with you. That's there's one boss, uh, and he works with certain players and certain coaches and and delegates. But when you get head of operations to sporting directors, tactics, it's it's. I think everyone needs chucks a penny worth it, and then it just it dilutes the um the the goal and and the. The, the standard you want with the rugby right it's, it's an question I'm to throw you now so obviously from a say a football sense I use football and rugby as the two examples you see football you've got a head coach right uh, granted and underneath them you have you know assistant coaches that might take charge of the defence or attack or the shape or whatever I get that in rugby when you've got such a structure where you've got a director of rugby and then it filters down into a head coach, filters down into a forwards coach, backs coach, attacking coach, defence coach, whatever. As a player, or even as that director of rugby, how hard is it to keep one control of your players? Or as a player, who are you listening to on a day-to-day? Um, I think it's, it's 
some in some clubs it's tough in some clubs it's relatively easy in terms of just look at your schedule in terms of if you've got they set out their roles so if the head coach is he's, he's employed a, an attack coach the attack coach looks at everything in terms of your start your your attack in terms of open play and and a backs coach will help them with this, the attack starters and then defence coach will look after defence, etc. Forwards coach will look after scrums, lineouts, but that's getting diluted as well because, again, set-piece coaches in. So the forwards coach, what is the forwards coach doing? Is he is he just looking after the skills of the forwards? If he, is he looking after the forwards defence around the ruck area? Um, is he helping with the lineouts and the scrums? Um, it, it gets pretty diluted, but but... If you have a set structure in place, so like, for example, if Exeter Chiefs, Rob Baxter's director of rugby, but he's got a head coach. But we all know that Rob Baxter has the final say in terms of he's the boss because you've got a head coach, but you know Rob Baxter's the boss. I think in some places it gets, who's, who's more, who do you listen to more, director of rugby, the head coach, or is it the backs coach or the attack? It, it can get very complicated. So I think if you can get a set um hierarchy in place in terms of and then a schedule in terms of today we're doing backs with the, today we're doing forwards with XYZ today the, and and it, and then if you've got a good working relationship they can kind of interlink and, and work with each other seamlessly but you'll see a, it's a great it's interesting in a minute we're seeing clubs break it down and, and look at the, the structure in place in terms of their coaching things and they'll look at the uh, successful teams like a Steve Borthwick for example is director rugby, but he is the head man. Yeah. Then you can see why they're successful and why they're not. You know Kevin Simfield's doing defence, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I think it's getting a good structure in place and a, and a clear, transparent structure in place. And that makes everything much more successful. Yeah, but like when you said um, dilute, you, know, you, you see it everywhere now, don't you? Every, like every yeah. sport, you know, doing cricket, whatever. There seems to be more backroom staff than actual players yeah. in some sports now. But yeah, I was just keen to ask because if you get to the point, and I, I, I get what you mean by it's down to the club really to put a structure in place where it doesn't get ridiculous. But as you said, if, if teams are appointed a forwards coach and then a set piece coach to go with it, from a de- director of rugby's point of view, sure, surely that means that whatever your philosophy, right, or your values that you're set in, surely they're getting diluted to an extent as well. So when it gets to when it gets down to the players your message might not be the message that you initially sent. And yeah, then, absolutely. And then that's where issues start coming in. So I think, yeah, I think the role of coach or manager or whatever has probably evolved to a point now where you're not just managing a group, but you manage, you've got a block of coaches. Don't be wrong, you've appointed those coaches. So you've appointed people you probably trust and have worked with. But you've got two jobs there. You're managing a coaching group to make sure your values are going to cross. But also above that, you've got to be seen to be involved with players as well, haven't you? Yeah, definitely, massively. And I think it's getting more, we, like, I'm working for, um, I'm doing stuff with, with Bath, uh, like, age grade stuff. And you get sent out stuff like your language, where you need to use, like, in terms of four different things, like, in terms of on the edge attack, what can we do here? And you get given language, so you need to stick to that, because then, that hopefully, you all have a work in progress. But, Naturally, sometimes in coaching, you're going to go back to your own language. So yeah. sometimes it can have a bit of a mixing. But I've really fought for this in terms of we've done some stuff in university and, and some stuff challenges in working. If I was 
like they've they've given me a challenge in terms of if, if the two boys who, who are the director and assistant director left Millfield tomorrow and they said you've got to step up, what would you do? What's your actions in place now? And I and the first thing you you build it on who you trust and and you try and build support around you and they might not be the best coaches in the world but you you try and get a group in who you can trust and you know even if there is a mixed messaging in terms of the language you know that they've got the same philosophies as you and the same and they're not trying to undermine you I think it, that's sometimes in in all sports and and we've all seen it, it, obviously there's loads of politics but loads of sports you've seen an ex- example of a head coach or a backs coach trying to undermine the head coach, we can slide into that head coach's role if, if things become unsuccessful. And that's when it just becomes poisonous. And 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 that that's them toxic relationships you've got to try and, and avoid. And it's so hard, especially in a professional game, it's so hard to to, to get it right. And, and that's why certain people are at the top and that's why certain people are so good at their job because they get it right and they get the structure in place. And, and that's, it's, it's more about, like, and like you said, it's more about managing the coaching staff now as well as the players. Because I think, yeah, like I mentioned earlier about the football, when like, the importance of getting your own players in. So you probably bring, you know, you bring in people based on one, their ability, obviously, is, you know, there, but you also want to bring the right people, you know, personality-wise, that you know you can trust or maybe help mould into what you want it to look like. Um, I suppose exactly the same falls on your coaching staff. You're not going to point anyone that either you don't know, you don't trust. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's interesting there when you said with the coach, you know, you're given like a set of basically, you know, language to go on, right? As a coach, do you find, don't you find it hard not to go into your own style? Because surely as a coach, right, to be successful or make your own way, surely it's important to keep your own style of coaching up because you're going to, if you go into somewhere, they're like, right, here's the language, here's how to coach. You sort of turn into like a robot coach then, aren't you? And like, you know, from I mentioned earlier, someone who's not qualified in any way of coaching, but it's just the way maybe I've liked to be coached in the past. So if I was coaching, I'd like to be like, is surely you've got to bring your own personality into your coaching. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's tough. It is really tough, especially at the start. I think, and the difference is a massive difference in English and Welsh rugby. Obviously, I've done 20, 20 odd years of Welsh rugby. Um, so trying to go into the, into the English setup and, not, and try and use a different it's, it's like I, I seen a great thing when I done a webinar in, in lockdown it was, it was hello in loads of different like languages of nationalities and it just is the same it's like everyone's doing the same thing especially in rugby everyone's doing the same thing just using different words yeah so it's just it's just getting used to and obviously my coaching style is different to the next month but I can use, I, I got to try and just, just changing your words. I can still do my, use my personality and use what, what my coaching strengths are. It's just using the different words. And sometimes it'll, it'll come across differently in coaches. But if you're using the same words, they can, it's just getting a good memory for the players. It is really. And, and yes, it is. It's like, you know me, Josh, I'm not very PG scripted sometimes when I'm coaching. So it is pretty tough to stick to a, to a certain yeah. structure in terms of word in and out but I think I can try and I can still get my personality and my coaching traits around there but we're, we're changing the words yeah I suppose I suppose it keeps that line of communication clear doesn't it if you've got a set yeah. way to present the coaching at least you know everyone knows what 
you know what's been said at all times and understands it. Yeah, it was just a point of view. In, in yeah, yeah, absolutely. Keeping our personality. So I think from a, you know from a playing point of view, there's nothing worse than if you're being coached by just like a robot who's like no personality, just going you know yeah. going through like steps and taking boxes, whatever. You know, I think playing in the past itself, I used to love quite unstructured coaching in terms of you had your session, which was focused on, say, I don't know, defence, whatever. But in a month, start, like, you know, because you said language, you just being yourself. Um, but, you know, like you'll know more than me for how much the world of coaching has changed in terms of just being from someone who is controlled to having, you know, your your set sessions throughout the day. You know, it's not just you train for two yeah. hours and you, and you do everything in there. You know, you've got your, your breakaways, your defence, your, your attack, your set piece, your, you know, analysis has become a massive thing now. You know, from yeah, from when we probably started playing, it was probably just creeping in. Yeah. But like really, yeah, yeah. Like really breaking enough. it down. Yeah, it's massive. And I do it. Like, I've done loads of analysis. Quinn's is breaking down now into into the lower leagues as well. So analysis is a massive thing. And it's a, it's, I think it's it's a great tool for any anyone. I think... If probably for us in, in cricket, it would be different because it's a long old day. But if we could analyze our our game, I'd be massive. Um, I think. But then on the on the flip side, like you say, the more successful coaches you look at now are the coaches who are. I won't. I don't like using the term old school, but a bit more. They are not robots. They're caring. Like look, right, you, as a yeah, as a Liverpool fan, you look at Klopp. Klopp is very personal with the players, isn't he? And. And he's very the players want to play for him. You look at Harlequins winning um the premiership last year when they, they fell out because Gustad weren't kind of he was a bit more of that robot coach and, and the Quins are a unique club in terms of their um their structure and, and how they play. And they had people like Adam Jones who has been bigged up as a massive people a players coach and it just it changed Brian Clough all, all them years ago, like just, just looking after the players, and and Ferguson looking after the players, and it's 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 mental to think that it still is is that it's massive. It's you got like you know you, you even look at Guardiola throw tactically brilliant years. He's, yeah. he's he's still got that the personal relationship touch with his players. You brought up Klopp there. Um, he's not everyone's cup of tea, you know, and you understand that. But if you just put all if you put like support in aside of who you like, if you put yourself in a players. Position, he strikes me as a bloke you would run through a brick wall for. Same as Ferguson with the Man United players. Yeah. That's all they talk about the United players is how how they you know he made them feel before games. I, I guess Klopp, Guardiola, they they look like coaches who do the same. Brendan Rodgers is another one. Yeah, I always think like in our era, I think when you look at teams, the successful teams, I think if you always look at the coach. It's rarely a coach that is just like disengaged with the players. He's only there to purely coach. I think you just end up losing the change room for that. Yeah, yeah, massively. And that's, yeah. and you see that in, in Mourinho at the start and Mourinho now. He, he was such a a player's coach and he was loved. And he's kind of going that way in terms of he, he's just there for the... And, you know, I, I love Mourinho. I, I'll always love Mourinho. But he, he's going that way slowly. Um and and it is the coach has like a lot of there's been a lot of discussion how much is a coach's role important in terms of stuff in terms of teams it's massive because a coach can come in at any and I, I'll we'll go into local examples because I've been involved in one I, I've been involved in two sorry um, that 
the same group of players, but I mean, totally different results and success because because of just the role of the coach and how much inspire them. And that's it's a good interlink into locals in two examples. Um, in the first one, when I was at the Stars, at, when I was a youth player and, and going into seniors, seniors and won for long. They were just just struggling. They were there was so many issues. Da, 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 da. They they tried to rebuild the side and and David McGrath, Gus would come in and just change the whole atmosphere. Players wanted to play for him. Players came to join us because of the, the coach and and we and we won promotion. Um, which was a massive, even inspiring, like coming, I would have a good, for example, is, is Andrew Dacey a couple of years ago down the Queens. We were, we were rock, rock bottom, got, just got relegated, struggling for a side, like proper, like players didn't want to play, uh, a lot of falling out. Andrew comes in, I'm, I'm Paddy. Um, we don't change any players, there's no new signings, we, or we might sign two. There's no new signings. There's the same group, and we're flying, and, and the difference in performance is ridiculous because you want to play for that coach. Plus. I know a lot of players. It's it's ridiculous, and and we get like there's a obviously I'm very fortunate to have my father coach me since I was a, a kid, and and you speak to the boys still to this day, and how much he inspired them, and, and and you wanted to play for him, and it's the same. It's the same with with Andrew, with Gus, with Paddy. Paddy's a massive. You know, Paddy's not a, like. Technically, he was never tech. You know, Paddy, he's not a technically like a strewed coach who will give you all the time, but he's such a good motivator. The players want to play for him. But you only mentioned that you see it all the time, don't you? You, know, you can start it from elite level all the way down to club level. You can change a coach or you can change your backroom staff, whatever. As you said, keep the players exactly the same. And you see like such results. All right, sometimes it is purely down to, especially an elite level. You get players playing for themselves a bit in terms of it's a new coach. Well, I've got to play well, otherwise I'm going to be out the door. I get that. But surely the first thing to change, if you're coming in as a coach or struggling side for whatever reason, the first thing you look at, even before the pitch, is creating that atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. Change, changing the atmosphere, changing the culture that around the place and make it a place people want to come, want to come to work. Yeah. You know, want to come to train. Turn up a train and go, oh, do you know what? Great atmosphere. I'm here with my mates, here with the boys. You, you know, you the you know whatever you, you turn up wanting to do it, make it enjoyable. Surely, the more you enjoy in that back the back um, backroom side of it, in terms of you enjoying the sessions, you enjoying the off the pitch stuff. That that just flows onto the pitch. Then everything becomes easier. Everything you know, it's, it's not as much of a hassle or stress to get boys to train to get boys to yeah. do it. Because that side yeah. of it, the hard the playing side of it's the easiest. That's what it, that's what everyone's involved with it for. Whether you're Playing local league stuff, or whether you're playing elite level, I mean, the end goal is you want to be on the pitch playing, doesn't it? That's you know, yeah. that's the common denominator. Yeah. And I think the difference difference you see, I think, when teams start turning it round, is our culture off the pitch is improved. You know, I think using an example of top head, maybe locally with the work that I that I've sort of seen from afar or through Twitter, whatever. You can look at Ennis Aguero in football. Yeah, and massively. There, he looks like he's created such an atmosphere up at that club. Where year on year they've got more teams, more juniors. You get people turning up, playing. They look as if you know. They look as if they absolutely love it. Um, you know, yeah. Morris, who played first, played up there for a few years. He had nothing but good, you know, good to say to them. You look at their pre-season; they've got like 30, 40 boys turning up, and that's boys who are not playing cricket, probably. Yeah. Um, and then you know, as you said, he mentioned there with Daisy taking over the Quins and. 
and bringing that sort of Quinn's feeling back to the club. Um, from you know, from an outside of coaching, I think I think that'd be my first block in terms of addressing the culture or atmosphere in the club off the pitch. The rest surely follows. I, I you know I get there's a lot of work done on the pitch right to get proper results, but if you want that quick turnaround, surely that culture change and atmosphere changes. It's so important. That's got to be like your first important block, isn't it? Yeah, massively, hundred percent, hundred percent. It is, and it's if if you're right off the field, on the field will come. And like you said, if you're in, and you just, like I said, enjoyment's the biggest thing. We all like it's all focus, and and everyone is focused. When you look like teams, they're all focused, but they enjoy it as well. You don't have to live a regimented life in terms of we have to do this at this time. Da, da, da. Yes, yes, you've got to make sacrifices as a as a, a professional and, and but and we talk about if you talk about locally you don't have to do like we trained all right we when we were the, the quint we trained on a tuesday for an hour but there won't be many there our main session was a thursday we'd have an hour and a half on the thursday and that was it but you knew that the culture was right and the boys were switched on enough an hour and a half we'd train and we'd go out and produce on saturday you've done that like this if you're not, and this is my big thing, if and what I my views in terms of court, if if you can't get numbers for two, split them over the two sessions over the week, just do one. Because if you've got players coming Tuesday and Thursday and they drag themselves through Tuesday and Thursday, for example, a player will come on a Tuesday as 10 there, he's turned down overtime, he's having riots off of misses because he's not seen the kids, he's turned up to train, there's only six, seven, eight. Well, he's going to get unmotivated. If he knows, right, I've got Tuesday off, I can either go and get overtime, get a bit more money, or claim brownie points with the other half and, and look after the kids. But he knows then he can train Thursday when there's 20 air. He's going to be a much more mental place, much more better mental place. And that's what, and, and that's my big thing. If you get people in a mental, right mental place, you, you're going to get success. And we've seen that massively being involved in our group and seeing what, what Andrew and Paddy done. Um, and, and the players, the boys loved him anyway. It was a, a massive um, appointment anyway. But to see what they'd done then after it and, and to get, we're totally different. You, from from September, October, the year before to October, um, we, I think we played Brynham in the October before and the November before and we lost 60 odd points. And we turned it around and we beat in resolving 40 points at home who were, who were second at the time. That's, that, that's phenomenal. But it's, it's, that's not the pitch. We, we haven't spent hours and hours on the training pitch. It's about getting our culture right and getting people in the right mental place. Is this, you know, is this where, with the coaching, a lot of the time less is more? Yeah, a short, short, a sharper, intense period is much better yeah. than your three, four hours. Because... The other question was, do you think coaches now, when stuff starts going wrong, do you think the first mistake coaches make is thinking that a three, four-hour session is the answer um, You know, to give off that we're working harder so it's going to change around, rather than maybe when you're going through a crap period, maybe that's the time to step back a bit and be like, right, let's think about this a bit more clearly now. Shorter, sharper focus on the stuff that's going wrong and maybe just giving people a bit of a breather to digest what's happening rather than the default position is like we're losing. We need to train more. We need to train more, need to train more. And then maybe that's where you get players and train too hard. Yeah. hundred um, percent. And massively the, I think 
very like once you get over, I think hour and a half is is ample in terms of sessions. Because once, in my view, this is and this is coming from me. This is not uh, like after an hour and a half. Answer, especially with me, I switch off as a player. You switch off after hour and a half. There's nothing left. If you're working at a decent tempo for hour and a half, you're going to get everything out. If you try and drag it out, the players are going to disengage, and you're not going to get that fair out of it. Um, you know, I it's hour and a half. You're off. That's basically all, and then you do your individuals if you want. But I'm not saying that's look hour and a half a week is going to change. It. Sometimes in the in the season, you look, you say, right, we might need to get a Tuesday session in, or we might need to do an extra session, just just a back session or a forward session, just to get some detail in, ready to go in the Thursday. Um, but I think, yeah, some so that's one of the biggest mistakes that we more like less is more is the biggest underline I'll underline that in anything and do in terms of training. And then the coach's job is like ninety five percent is probably off the field in terms of um planning and, and and preparation ready for that session. I think what people don't realise until they've done the coach, especially local more, is your job is hardly doing the coaching it's looking after the players it's it's yeah. getting you're getting real life problems all the time you've got you know you've got people uh with mental health issues who are playing you've got people who are going through tough times in their wet marriages you've got people having having kids and, and they're struggling or, or, they, or they can't commit you've got well, i've seen one case someone have to put in an availability group that uh they would let us know on Thursday if they were playing because they had a court hearing on Thursday morning and they, they didn't know if they were going to jail or not. <laughs> so you have to deal with that. You've got to deal with boys ending up going for one beer on a Friday and ends up on a, on a bender and, they, and they, they're still up a Saturday morning and they pull out. It's, it's, and that's what I don't think until you're in that environment, people don't understand though. And it's like the same with you when you were a captain at, at cricket, Josh. You don't, people don't realise how much work was off the field in terms of non-cricket stuff that you have to put up with in our week. And I think going back to people who have um, uh, good environments, definitely another good environment I was with when we took over um, in 2016, was it 2016? Yeah, 2017. 2017, when, we, when the club was in such a disarray, we didn't know if we were going to have a first team. And then we built such a good culture as you was captain. Um and it became successful because off the field was was successful, and then it just led to on the field. I think this moves us into the next topic, right? Around coaching, and it's it's, it's something that I think is the most important part. And I think this is what separates the best coaches from normal. But the, the complete importance of man management with your players, knowing knowing them personally, knowing what makes them tick, understanding what makes them tick, and using that because you know. You get players that will react to an arm around the shoulder job, who are confidence yeah. players. Right? I think as a player myself, I'm a confidence player. I have been in any sport I've played. If I'm full of confidence, I'm flying. If I'm low on confidence, it is a battle to get that confidence back. Or you have got the players that purely need a kick of the arse sometimes, or need a grilling, or need a bollocking. And they, their reaction is more, right, I'll fucking show him if he's going to be like that. Yeah. Um, so from your point of view, your coaching, when you start off a new group of players, right? So you come in, is a is a really good starting point for you, or like say the first couple of weeks, as well as the coaching playing side, are you sat there looking at your players, trying to basically suss them out, going, right, 
who, who by you am I looking at that's going to be armour on the shoulder player? Who am I looking at? That's a, and it's usually someone who's pretty cocky, full of themselves, and need that kick of the arse. Are you, is, is your first standpoint right in your head, subconsciously categorising your players of how you're going to manage those individually? Yeah, you. De- that's a massive thing, definitely. And what I've done, especially uh, it, 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 even in school, you go around and you, you try and lean on people who've like, been as, for example, if you're in a club situation, an assistant coach or, or, or someone who's involved in the, in the side that has been there for a while, you try and lean on them and see what, just get their, their take on what the person's like and what they, what they are. And then you, obviously you first point of contact with the players is the co- the captain and the leadership team and you try and get assess them out and, and assess what the players are like and what they need. It's just trying to get, yeah, it's trying to categorise them into what what do they need, um, how is the best to get out of them, etc, etc. Is there anything going on in the background that, that you could you could help with or deal with or if they're going something going on in the background, do you not not lay off them a little bit because you know it, look it's just an effort from the get yeah this that's the biggest thing etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, it's just more managing the players like I said then for example if the players had a chronic knee injury do you know and when he goes look I've got to pull out or just walks off and, and gives you a thing right yeah that's his knee is knackered he's done yeah. his 20 minutes half hour yeah, that's, that's massive yeah that's what I mean like Surely understanding your players, their needs, their personalities helps dictate your coaching style to an extent. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And then like, knowing that will dictate your set of sessions, the length of sessions, the intensity of your sessions to get the best out of that group. Like from an outside looking in, surely that's got to be a coach's greatest skill is being able to um, understand who his players are, their personalities, their needs, quickly enough to set up coaching sessions where you're going to get the best out of them as quickly as you possibly can. Because I suppose, you know, locally, obviously, it's a lot different to elite level. Because, you know, elite level, gone are the days now where you're given a job, you've got three years to build it. Like, it's a results business now, isn't it? If you, yeah, you get given a job at that high level, you've got to turn it around in seven days or two days sometimes. It's got to be yeah. instant result business because it's just conveyor belt now, isn't it? If you're not yeah. doing it, someone else will. Bam, 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 bam. I suppose the lower you go down, the longer you get because of finances, you know, facilities, all that stuff. But yeah, I think for me, I think surely that's got to be your coach's greatest strength. Yeah, 100%. I'm quite fortunate. I mean, I'm still playing as well. So when I'm coaching, I can kind of, gauge a player's reaction in terms of how they're feeling or how tough the game was. So especially when I was coaching down the Quint, you could kind of, I was like, I'm not saying, I'm, like, you'd go to Andrew and say, oh, look, the boys are, they've had a, they would beat, for example, beat Bill Wells. It's been a physical old game and the boys have been on the smash for two days. So we need to kind of tailor the, tailor the training and because if, for example, and it's the same as elite or local. If you go in a side, you play, you play a massive game, you're physical, your boys are broken, they've gone out on the smash because it's a player social or something, or we've just gone on the smash. Um, and you turn up Tuesday and you're doing um, you know, conditioning, 15 minutes conditioning. The boys are going to switch off to it straight away. You know, If you go, right, boys, we're going to walk through the first little bit. 
it's going to be touch, it's going to be real light contact. And then Chuck, I don't know, you play touch games, but this that's your conditioning because you do more conditioning in touch. It, it, that's how the players will enjoy that because they play in touch and they don't know the conditioning. If you say, yeah. right, we're doing uh, a Bronco test, which is running, basically, boys are going to be, hang on, we just fucking beat Bill Wells. 72 hours ago. Why are we just, why are we doing a Bronco now? See, it's, it is knowing your players massively, massively knowing your players. And but, I think we, we, we talk in like, and I can only talk from my experience and yours experience, but it's the terms in, in all sports. It's, it's just knowing your, knowing your players, knowing what the situation is and, and getting the best out of them, to be honest. And this, like this, you know, this opinion might be a very naive opinion, you know, to coaches out there, right? But sure, surely that that is what you need to grasp over love as quickly as possible. Because your coaching session or your the way that you set like a session up around whether it's I don't from a defense or attack point of view, whatever. Surely the way you set the session up, you can just learn that whenever. Well, quickly as you know, if you go on a couple of coaching courses, they show you these are different um, sessions, blah blah blah. You can learn that quite quickly in terms of right, you know, I'm gonna set it up. But surely how you run it is purely on on you in terms of like how good you are in understanding personality, player needs, the atmosphere, what you need to tweak here and there. Like, if you haven't got that or you haven't got the ability to do that, surely you're on to, like, you're knackered before you even start. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And we've done, uh, we done something in work about our free non-negotiables and uh, I'm still trying to find out what nailed down my free non-negotiables are. But they will all be underpinned by connection. You've got to have a connection with, with players, but you've got to have a connection with, with ev- like staff, players, um, committee, uh, people who come and watch on a Saturday afternoon because that's all they see. You know, you need that connection with the, with the players and the and the and the, boy, the people who just have a pint in the club and, and watch a game because they'll tell you they'll tell you how bad you feel. I remember I remember going into we'd beaten we'd had a tough old game against Pyle. And uh, we'd, we'd scraped over the line and go in the club and, and like we won four out of four in, in January. It was a tough old month as well. We'd won four out of four. And I got, yeah, and he's like, yeah, God, good to get over the line in the end. And he just turned around and he said, the game I'd run was fucking rubbish. <laughs> I'm like, oh. so, you know, you, you, you don't know, yeah, exactly. The boys are absolutely broken. Four massive games. <laughs> come in after winning the fourth one at Jack really cool game management was fucking rubbish we're like eight points clear on the top of the league and they're like ah oh, shit cheers, cheers I'll just go and have a pint over here yeah, <laughs> so yeah so you've got to have a good connection otherwise you just you'll uh, end up I'll just I'll just right, call, like, yeah, I'll just call up, myself yeah cheers yeah, yeah. I'll go and stand around. but it, you just if you if you don't have a connection with them then you're you're going to take that massively to heart and think, well, fuck, actually, our game management is poor, when you realise, actually, let's take ourselves out of this situation. We've, we've picked up, uh, I think we picked, like, out of the possible 20 points, we picked 18 points up. And you're like, you can you take that all the time, especially against the side we're playing as well. So, yeah, connection's massive. There's something a bit later I want to pick your brains on about how difficult as a coach it is, is when you get to a point where you're winning, is to stay there, right? So I do want to go yeah. into that. Um, the last thing around the, the man management side, and I, th- I think you hear it quite a lot with coaches around the ones that are very good man managers, but the importance of keeping that distance between 
being very personal, kind, but also having that barrier to say, as much as I'm your mate or you, you know, sort of father figure, is having that barrier there to be like, I can't get too close because that compromises your authority on the side. Like, how hard is it to keep that balance? Because I, because I, I, I imagine if you've got a player that you look at and be like, right, full confidence player, he's a bit down. He needs a bit of an arm around the shoulder, nicey, nicey sort of thing. But surely there's that barrier where they don't take advantage of it in terms of keeping that, you know, keeping that understanding of it's yeah, it's nicey, nicey armor on the shoulder, but there will be a point that it's gonna not be armor on the shoulder job. And and making your players realise that you're not just like a walkover. Like how important oh, yeah. or how hard is it to to keep that distance? Um, yeah, it is pretty. It's it's tough. It is really tough, especially like from from my experiences. I've played in the side as well, and they're all the boys I've coached are all my age. So I end up having to you know go out with them, but you know you socialise with them as well, and it is tough. But it's that I think that you've got to look at the player as well. If the player can understand that, if you can set in stone first, the player can understand. When it's on, when you're training, and when it's eighty minutes on a game, you're you're the coach and they're the player, or or you're the, you know what I mean. They've got to understand that sometimes, and I think the effectiveness then is if, for example, if Andrew raised his voice, or had a pop or someone, they knew he was doing it for the good because you yeah. know, you're hardly having a pop. If I had a pop for someone, they know they're doing it for the good. It's not because we're doing it for the sake of it. So it's the effectiveness of knowing, right, if he raises his voice or his, or his or shouts, they know that there's, it's something, there's something wrong. Or because you're not going to shout at someone for making a mistake. You're not because no one means to make mistakes. And especially when, when the coach is making mistakes out to that, it's, it's, it's quite hard to shout down at someone for making this <laughs> Um But if someone doesn't take stuff on board or, or doesn't listen and then you raise your voice, then they need to know, right, actually, they're in the right. Here. They're not just shouting for the sake of it. And it is tough. It's tough to get that. It's massively tough. Because I, I reckon, think, like, that's, that's got to be the toughest part of coaching locally, at a local yeah, level. Huge, huge. Um, like you know, you've experienced, I've experienced it to an extent with with cricket, whatever. Is is people differentiating between you're there for a job in terms of playing, and then you're there as a mate afterwards. There's so much blurred lines locally around, as you said. If you give a ball, if you give someone a bollocking in training or on a on a match day, it's that understanding from both sides. It's not personal. You're not having a yeah. goal individual. You're having a goal about the, the sport you're playing. As soon as, as soon as that is over, it's f- like it's forgotten about to an extent and then you, you know, you're, you're mates again. I think that's what I always try to do when I was captain was if you did have to bollock someone after the game or bollock the side after the game, it was just get everything out. But then once it was out, it was like, right, well, it's out now. Don't dwell on it. Line under it. Move on next week. Yeah. From a local point of view, and there's plenty of coaches in our local area at all, but with plenty of teams at different levels locally, whether it's amateur league or you know, we mentioned earlier we've got five sides in the Welsh the Welsh League below the Welsh Prem. Yeah. That has got to be the hardest thing locally. 
And I suppose it goes back on the players to understand it that it's a it's a, it's, a, it's the personal stuff is separate from that. But yeah, hundred percent. I suppose the more elite level you go, that understanding shifts the other way in terms of you know you're more or less there just for the the coaching the job side of it. The personal yeah, stuff after yeah. is probably less. Um, and I, yeah, I suppose the question is like, have you have you found bet you know best ways to handle that, or is it more of a case of if you're coaching locally, the emphasis goes back on the player. They've got to understand that from the moment you arrive for a game of match day until you leave the change room, friendship side of it is is it in the secondary? You're there for one job. Yeah. Whatever, whatever happens in that window happens, and that's left in that window when you move back into the bar after the game. Yeah, I look. I I got to say I've been very fortunate, and I'm still learning in terms of doing that because I was really fortunate in terms of the boys. The boys of the Queens were, were awesome with it. Um, there was no like I was. That was one of my biggest worries when when Andrew asked like take a box was like oh and the boys mates it mind. But as soon as it like clicked on like the thought of trying to coach Bynan like and Bynan was probably the best out of them all. It's just I, I like it and, and ask, I probably couldn't answer that question correctly because I've been very fortunate and I'd done and I'd done six weeks of the stars in the summer and they were all my mates as well and they were excellent as well. Like so I couldn't give you an honest answer because yeah. I've been very fortunate in terms of the two groups I've worked with have been have been excellent in terms of doing that. I have, uh, um, I've taken it from from an American football coach, and they have a twenty four hour golden rule. But I would use a golden rule called an hour. So I don't, me or or whoever after a game, you have an hour to if we lost, an hour to pout, and then you're done. You have a pint, and then you reassess on Sunday Monday. Like yeah, yeah. there's no reassessing of a Saturday night. So I have an hour to to get over it, and then have a pint then, and and then. I'll deal with it Sunday. Yes, obviously, when you've got a few points, you start thinking about it, but I'm not going to do anything that's going to analyse or anything that's going to affect our our rugby until Sunday, Monday, probably, because normally Sunday, I'm absolutely dying. But so after a game, I completely agree with you. I think there's always a window, and I think an hour is bang on. Hour after the game is your time to get out in the change room. If you want to tell someone they've done something wrong and they need to you know, shape up, there's your time. And then after that passes, as you said, forget about I think the danger with carrying on is you become reactive. And as yeah. surely as a coach, as soon as you start becoming reactive to stuff, that's the downfall because you're changing everything. You're doing stuff straight away. That's probably the worst thing you could possibly do, but it's just a reactive process. I think that that sit-down time and digesting what's happened, that's got to be one of the most important things as a coach, isn't it? To, un- to have that time to just understand what's happened, why it might have gone wrong, and then address it the next week rather than, you know, tempers are high. People are in all sorts of moves. If you're doing things reactive, that's, you know, that's not beneficial for anyone. No, 100% not. And uh, like nothing, nothing you do on Saturday night is going to change the result, affect the result next up, the week after. So there's no point doing anything on Saturday night. Um, especially when you've had a few beers. It's, 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 nothing's going to affect it. Um, and that's, and like I said, that's when coach if you're a reactive coach and if you do something Saturday night, like for example, I don't know, you start thinking about it, send a WhatsApp message to someone absolutely berating them after a few beers, then you you've lost all that like we talked about connection and, and trust and you've lost all that straight away. 
with the atmosphere stuff like that it affects yeah, it all. You, you know, you 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 can't then text them the next morning and apologize for what you've said because it's the the damage already been done. You put yourself on a pedestal and you've knocked you straight off, and you've got to try and like what is it? The it takes hours to or it takes years to build trust, but it takes a minute or something to lose it or something, whatever it is. You you do are on a Saturday night. There is basically there's no way back for a good couple of weeks. The players are all switched off. So I used to love just enjoying. We'd have banter about the game, absolutely we'd have banter. But that's from a, I weren't a coach and I was a mate. Like the normally one was, I got charged down because I would get charged down at least once a game. So that was and you you banter with the boys as as a mate, not as a as a coach. And then. When the video would come out on on Sunday or Monday, you'd start watching it again. Then, and we got our own film forever, we thought. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's still it's still in my psyche that song's again. But uh, it, it's it, it probably if I ever wrote an autobiography, I'd have a full chapter probably on that charge down and the build up and the charge down and the aftermath. Um, it's yeah, yeah. We it's, I've got my eye twitching now talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Same different shit, Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, like, we, like we've mentioned this loads going forward, but it's, it's another idea, isn't it? It'd be great to have, like, a, a pod where you've got, like, a few coaches from different areas, different sports, locally, sat in the room, and having this type of discussion about coaching style or philosophies or... Um, you know, non-negotiables you mentioned earlier, are they non-negotiables that when they come into a new side, that is on the board before players come in? Like, Yeah. Number yeah. one, yeah. these are three things you stick into and that's, yeah. that's the lay of the land. The rest follows. I think it'd be great, it'd be great to pick brains from a rugby, football, cricket, you know. Netball, when do we get Yeah, like whatever sport in terms of what, like, what similar, you know, similarities are there between coaches, yeah. what little tweaks, little quirks of different sports around. Yeah. I'd I'd love to. I know we mentioned it earlier in terms of the boxing and, and the MMA stuff. I'd love to speak to a coach for that in terms of how can you how do you prime a, a fight to get a fighter ready for like it could it could be over in 10 seconds. How do you get a yeah. fighter ready? You build yourself up and get them ready for you know a, a one like a, a 30 minute fight when you've got to build up for so long. How do you, how do you manage that? And that's Stuff like that, I really, I know I'm sounding like a nausea, you know, but I, that's stuff I really love in terms of how can you build up someone like a, an individual athlete like that. But, it, it, you know, it's, it's so it's so interesting in terms of, and people probably would listen to the first 20 minutes of this and turn it off. But yeah. some people, some people listen to this and love it. It's, it's, it's amazing to think that the talent of coaches, we've got your local coach. I know, um, like you mentioned, free non-negotiables, I, walked in there was my I'd like on the Wednesday I'd been asked to coach the stars in the summer we played Tom O lost in the preseason game um so Cooksley out was straight straight away um <laughs> and then like on the Thursday there was a board and, and like just exactly like I said like to be fair to Brett and, and Chris and, and Alwyn and the senior the, the Brett and Evsy were coaching there at the time and now TJ's back obviously and and at the time it was Chris Leisha and Alwyn and the senior senior uh Guys, it like put like right. What's our play? And they sent it to the players. What's our free non-negotiables? And the players said them, and they put them up there. And we and we lived by after the first 
for the six weeks I was there and 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 so on and now now they're still living by them. It's it's, it's amazing in terms of what how powerful free words can be. Um, I think I think that's uh, that type of thing, right? Uh, helps with accountability. Yeah, and it helps set your environment of how decisions are made and the process of if players don't agree with decisions or if they've been dropped for breaking one of the non-negotiables, it makes it makes everything easier from that point in terms of if you've got to discipline somebody dropping them or couple of game ban, whatever, you take away that back chat. You take it away. Yeah. It's like boys, you, you or boys, girls, whatever. You you know what we said. You've brought non-negotiable. End of like. And you write and it, and, Yeah, and it can help and, and flip it around as a player's point of view. It can help as well. So if you've yeah. been if you've been dropped or something or had a you know, disagreement and you just turn and well, I've done like you know, I'm I'm setting it. You've telling me I'm not doing it. So I've set that. Da, 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 da. It, it can it can help on the flip side as well. A player, if a player stick in terms of non-negotiables, and they think they're unfairly dropped for so, it does help. Obviously, they can start having grey lines and 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 stuff around that. But I think it's a massive tool, and it's it's something I've learned over, especially over the last two years working in Milford, because we have such a good resource in people we've got around us and people who come in in terms of safety and and creating one I really love. Which is which will bring in is called psychological safe zone. So you you know you're safe enough to. So if I'm if we're in a a team meeting, and I call you out for something, you know I'm doing it from a like we said you're doing it from yeah. a good place. You, you've got a safe a psychological safe zone. So you know you're safe in saying, well, Josh, I think you're not doing this. Da, da, da. You know you can say that, and you're not going to get reprimanded for it, or challenge a coach on something, and you know yeah. you're not going to get reprimanded on it because. You're in a, you feel safe enough to say right and challenge a coach, and they know they're going to do it. It's, it's the way the way psychology has worked in terms of coaching, and so much off the field stuff is um as 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 come on leaps and bounds. There's so much more to do in terms of stuff like that. Well, you like from conversation we've had in the past, from my side, you know the psychological player psyche is the side of coaching I most I get more interested in in terms of in terms of that. I think what you mentioned earlier about coaches from different sports where you've got a football, you know, you've got a football, you've got a team or if you, you're training someone to box, it's that one person. And I think it carries us on to understanding someone's psychological state. And we mentioned earlier, one, when you're winning or on the individual side, if you genuinely feel unbeatable, right? Crest or wave. Or the flip side, when you're in a rut losing, or as you said, with a boxer, if you're getting out, you know, knocked out in the first 10 seconds, how your role as a coach is can change like in a split second and how you've got to have that skill level to understand not to keep, um, to stop complacency from creeping in when you're winning, but also stopping like complete meltdown when, you know, you've lost or, or losing that confidence as quickly as this come. Like yeah, from your point of view, like how, how important or how difficult is, is that to react to? Hugely difficult, and and it's another answer I won't be able to give an honest answer on because, in terms of, I've, I've been in a situation where, where I've been coaching, we've been on a winning run, and I haven't been in a situation where it's been so bad in terms of morale and that has been so low. It's it's challenged to be, um, we have to change it. Um, I think the one of the greatest things that I've seen in terms of that is. When we win, 
we all go out, say say we've won the league or say for example Batalba cricket we win the league this year we go out on a smash we enjoy we have a presentation everyone's happy the 2020 cup for example all our presentation celebrate no one reveals that no one reveals why we've won no yeah. one no one says, sits down and says wait what did we do in that in our build up to win what was it this was it this as soon as you lose every man and his dog wants to reveal what you've done Everyone yeah. wants to fall down, shake down in terms of why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? So it's important to reveal after win, a six, being successful and unsuccessful. Do you, think that's, if, do you think that's a fundamental flaw among a lot of coaches or coaching staff or teams that they are in, super enthusiastic to review everything that's happened when you lose, but have absolutely no interest in reviewing stuff when you win? Because when you win, everything's great. Isn't it? You don't have to think yeah, about right. it when you win it. Yeah, 100%. And massively 100%. Because when you win, and, and it's just like I'm not sitting on a pedestal. When you win, you you think you're the best thing since sliced bread. You do. And you say, ah, I've done everything I've done is perfect. But you could, if you go back through the steps and work out, right, what have I done here to make sure we win? Is it that I, I t- tailored our session down to 45 minutes because the boys were good enough and we thought, right, 45 minutes is done? Is it that we add, I don't know, a coffee club the morning of the session. Is it because we went for breakfast? Before? You, you, I think it's important to reveal the whole, like, what you've done. And, I, and that's yeah. what I would say, especially about going to Talbot massively, and I'm involved in this massively. No one, no one cares about the hindsight after, after winning. No one cares about it. Everyone goes on the piss, and like rightly so, and enjoy. But after that, and it's done, and we, we talk about it for the rest of the year. The year after, and you have a dreadful year. We hang on. We 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 hang on to survival in the Premier League, and everyone wants a full scale. Where we need to get rid of the captain. We need to sign this player. We need to sign our player. If we if we win, it's oh we don't need to sign anyone. Or we don't need to do this. Or the or the so, so small things like what happened the year we we were successful the first year of uh, your captaincy. Where we had music on every week, uh, the play, like the players per speaker on. We had beer tickets every week. You know, the players were looked after. Um, the club atmosphere was decent. You know, no, no one felt like they were the SNM. It was first, second, thirds. Everyone was the same. You wouldn't come back. Um, for example, from my point of view, the seconds would win away massively away at St. Fagans. You'd come back and and the first team would be there, win, lose, or draw, and 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 all celebrate. The year after end, the second team would win. And there'd be a handful of, of first team boys there. You, you know what I mean? There was no, there was no right. This is probably, a, and it was, I would say, our most successful year for a long, long time because of terms of not just on the field, but off the field. And no one, no one, it was expected to be done again. No one, no one uh, realized or revealed the efforts going in by people like yourself to, to make sure that the structure in place. But then as soon as it started falling, it turned around and said, Josh, why is it, why is it going wrong? You know what I mean? Because this is because this is where I'd even argue a review of, of a, a review of success is more important than a review of failure. Hundred percent. Because when you fail or you have a bad season, doesn't take a review to know why you've had a bad season. It's, it's pretty obvious, I think, when when you lose or when something's failed. I think it's pretty easy to pull the bones out of that, as in you pull three main reasons like that why you went wrong. But reviewing when you win surely provides you with something to fall back on when it's not going well. Yeah, 100%. When it's not going well, you can be like, right, well, let's pull out the review of when we won the league last or went on a you know 10-game unbeaten run or whatever. 
And you can look at him and be like, right, what were we doing then? And what are we doing now? Don't be wrong. The way you coach and change teams evolves as you go, right? It's never going to be the same as you've done it then. Oh. But surely if you look back at like your review of when you've done well, there's going to be there's going to be um, there's going to be common features there that you've done well in the past, and you're not doing well now. And you think, right, yeah, well, 100%. well, if we do if we start doing them well, surely it's going to change. Whereas if you yeah, don't review your success and you're in your bad patch, you've got nothing really to look back on or remember what you were doing at the time you were successful. Yeah, and it, and it even might be little snippets, little snippets of that review where you think, oh yeah, right, it's it's uh, we'll we'll do this and see if it's a successful. Look, and no, like especially in local, you won't got the time to have a full scale review of everything you do. This this people work with, but if you just have a little like a after the season or, or after a month or something, just have a coach's meeting or something, sit down and say, right, this is what's done well. This, why why did we win them four games then we played when we played second, third, fourth in uh, and fifth in a row? Why, why did we win them games? Why why have we got more numbers training at this point? It is, it is this reviewing is massively important when you win. And and this is why and why do you think and someone said why do you think businesses when they lose so much especially more importantly more now than ever because of lockdown when businesses lose so much money they have a full-scale review why they've lost so much money but when they have a massive record turnover where is the review to have a, a where's the review to have a turnover you hear this loads about like a yeah. you know like independent and um, independent reviews there's never an independent review when someone has a record turnover in terms of money there's always an independent review when they lose a record of money. So why to have to, I think you have to review success and and people say oh I wish I could bottle up you can you can review it yeah review, yeah, review exactly. your success review your success and it's the the biggest one for me is and they do it also is England cricket they'll win the Ashes two thousand five two one they didn't review that two one two in two thousand five they didn't review that eighteen months down the line they lose five nil against Australia and there's a full scale review Duncan Fletcher sacked. 18 months after winning the Ashes for the first time in 20 years. Yeah. You, you've got it, I think. And it, it, it will, I think, over time, it'll start to become. But I'm a massive thing on review when you win and review when you lose. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. But, Josh, I think we've gone over a 40 minute buffer. Uh, Mate, we've run with it, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> we've. Uh, uh, and I've I've enjoyed talking. The people probably who know me will be looking. Oh, what an absolute bullshit! That. But it's it's something I've obviously coaching's been, especially because we haven't been able to go out on the smash as much. Coaching has probably been my forefront. Um, around I'm looking at Emily. Uh, uh, after Emily, coaching has been my uh, main uh, main priority this year, especially with work and, and living away. You're more enhanced into your job because you're living away and you can't really do much else so coaching has been a massive disco- I would say discovery I've loved coaching since I was a teenager but it's been in terms of thinking of different things and coaching and how can I be a better coach and, and I've had to read a bit which Josh would know and people would know I'm a bit thick so reading is uh, not my uh, my my best but uh, yeah it's been it's been such an interesting two years and, and you and I have had some really good conversations away in terms of coaching because, because we both read, you have to remind me of the the title of the book. But anyone watching, legacy is in New Zealand. Yeah, I thought it was legacy. Yeah. yeah. And anyone listening, a really good book to read 
that it encaptures everything we've talked about, really, and the importance of it all, his legacy, the, the, the book with the All Blacks, and how um, I think it, it's, it's more about how Hansen came in and changed the culture of everything, wasn't it? He came yeah, in at a point simple, where yeah. they'd lost their way in terms of their culture, the drinking culture started to creep in a little bit with New Zealand. They were losing a few games that they shouldn't really be losing. And basically, it just goes through how he changed, well, we mentioned earlier, changed the atmosphere and the culture. And all the honours yeah. that followed that, and that was that was sort of his foundation, basically. But yeah, definitely worth a read. I remember I had it last Christmas. I, I couldn't put it down. I think I finished it within three days. It was yeah. a really, really good insight into an elite level team, or you know, you can even say this most elite team we can think of. But definitely stuff you can pull out and use at a local level. Yeah, and and loads of teams are starting to do small stuff like I know and sweep the sheds and. And yeah, yeah. etc. It's, it's uh, well, I mean, even, people are growing up there. Well, we, we both know, even at the local level now, it's starting to get more professional. Yeah, 100%. Like, from what it was when started playing there to now, you know, you've got local sides, you know, as you said with the Quins and the Stars and stuff, all using analysis, filming games. Is You know, there's a lot of cricket sides now getting access to the programme where there's cameras on top of the side screens. You, you know, you can live stream games, you can break it down per over, first 10, last 10, middle 20 over period, bowling spells. There's so many programmes starting to come out now that is now accessible for lower league, amateur league and stuff, that people are taking advantage of it. And it's only going to improve the standard from, you know, in particularly a lower level. Um, not to the extent where you're in a room for five hours going through it on, on tape, but just the tool to look back at how you play in for a set period of time, you know, it it's frightening how quickly it's gone from nothing to what it is now. Yeah, hundred percent, massively. Um, yeah, it's and it's going to evolve. It's going to evolve, and and you've got so many people and so many opportunities in terms of analysis in rugby. Not it's going. It's just going to evolve massively in terms of analysis and sport and and stuff like that, and and strength conditioning and. And, and people and like players are more switched on to it. Like, all right, we are we all. The, the mental thing is that there's so many good players and talent in all sports in Batal, but imagine they actually switched on 100% to putting their body as, as a temple, etc. We, we get people who do rock up after Friday night in the smash and produce top class performances. I, when he was not a police officer, Lewis Jones would go on the smash on a Friday night, rock up at like quarter past 12 for an hour past 12 start and take three wickets in the first five overs and stuff like that. And, and you see with rugby and, and, and football, and it's mental in it to think that what talent we got in the tall, but. I think even the little tweaks you can make with filming now. Yeah. Whereas before you would just go week on week sort of training hard but hoping that on a Saturday, whatever was wrong in your technique was going to change. And don't be wrong, at a local level, it often does. Sometimes on a week off helps. You yeah. Sort of start again. But those little things now where you've got access to a video of yourself and you know your body's better than anyone, you can, you can see something straight away. Yeah. Like, you know, Definitely. from the point where you can be like, oh, my front arm's going sideways here or my feet no. positions change. Or if you're a batter, oh, my pickup, why is my pickup coming from third set, whatever? It's so yeah. accessible now. And that's why I think the standard of sport is increasing all the time. Yeah, 100%. And it's good. It's good in terms of a rugby point. It's good. Like, it makes you think as well. So, for example, if we play, I don't know, if we play 
Pen Code, say, for example, the first half of the season, you watch half footage again for the second half, you know their line out, so you try and change your line outs to manipulate them, do you know yeah. what I mean? Or, or change your defensive mindset in line outs to, to win the ball back. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's getting the players to think a bit more as well, which is which is good. And and some players love it, some players don't even look at it. But it's 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 a good building curve for players, especially uh local level. But um Josh, I think we that's pretty serious for us. That's a proper serious pod. I, th- I reckon yeah, that's the first prop proper pod we've ever done. <laughs> it must be locked down. It must be as COVID as it does. Not a beer in sight. We've just no. had a nice coffee. Yeah. A lovely chat about coaching. Yeah. But before we wrap this up, Ford, um, I'm going to throw you for a sporting memory of the week. Ah, oh, sporting memory of the week. What was I thinking about the other day? There was one that I was thinking about the other day, which which I loved, actually. Um, oh, um, youth game. Uh, we were playing Bonamine away. Um, Bonamine hadn't lost the bet for two two years or something. Uh, we went up there with a pretty decent side. We we were we were struggling for a side, but we, we went up there with like fifteen or something. Boiling not day. I think we had stars in your eyes in in the night as well. So everyone was revved up because we were on the on the smash. Um, we were like eight ten nil down at half time, and and we come back to win thirteen ten and defended our light right to the corner where. I currently I live with, with Emily and her grandparents in the corner where the back garden is. So we, we defended that corner for about five minutes and then we kicked it out and won. Uh, why was I thinking about that? Because I went up there and, and took a dog for a walk up there and I was thinking about uh, all our games on, on Bonamine. And there's a couple with the Quins where we lost uh, at the end and, and sometimes got well beat them. But that one sticks out definitely because of the comeback as well and, and the old day and the, and the defence at the end. So yeah, stars... 13, bottom of mine, 10 in like 2013 or something. Love that. What's your, Josh? Are you gonna, I, yeah, are you going to send, have one to finish us off, Josh? Are you uh, not bothering this week? No, I will. I'll, I'll go from an, an elite example. I'm trying to, I was trying to rack my brains for someone locally, but it's not coming to me. There's definitely one not. It's more, it's more focused on when we talked about earlier about the psychological state of a player. I think... Mm. One of my big ones is just the fascination of people's mental strength when they've got to go to the well one more time. Yeah. When backs up against a wall and they know that they've they've got to dig something out, find, find it from somewhere. Um, and I think as much as England have been an absolute shambles in the ashes, I think probably I've got, I've got to go back to either one of his knocks in that 2019 summer. In the world, yeah. or or the Ashes one, where you know Stokes basically won both games single-handedly. Yeah, but that that one in the Test, when you know just the mental strength to know I've got to I've got to find it from somewhere, and to score three off seventy-five balls to start the innings, and then knowing that you know one mistake is game over, and he finishes hundred and fucking. 40 not out or whatever he did yeah. the end. Um, so that for me yeah I, I'm just fascinated yeah. when, when individuals can find or just pull it out the top draw they've got in the locker and they just they go to the well one more time and dig yeah. it out we, 
we've all got that's as someone said we all got it there it's just it's just digging in it's it's how even when we're tired even when you're i think oh, i was watching the last dance and it was about michael jordan when he was he had food poisoning or flu even when you're ill there is something inside you that can you can find it, it. yeah I think what makes the good players from the great is I think the great players know how to access it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. No, that's mine. Yeah. Josh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. It's nice pleasure. to see you. How, how, how long have you got left in uh, in your isolation, man? Uh, Friday. 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 i got two more days, of. Oh. Anyway, to the, again, we'll finish off with saying to the unnamed... Uh, Super spreader on a cricket club. I don't want to bring his name into disrespect, but uh, the it, rhymes, it rhymes with Lel Loyal. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, used to Lel Loyal. Um, top man for the spreading around the club, but yeah, uh, to everyone who has gone, especially in Patol, but because there's quite a few with a minute. <coughs> there we are. Excuse me. There we are. Um, we hope you have a uh, Steady uh, isolation and, and get back soon. And and there is there's local sport weekend games are on. It's just obviously 50, uh, 50 crowds, so games are on. Um, so local sport is back in terms of rugby. I know football is not until uh, the ninth, but the earliest. So Sunday they're going to make a decision, I believe, and when they start him back. But uh, yeah, sport is back the weekend. We're looking forward to it. I know. The Quins are playing Pencode and the Stars go Kumpfimba, the top med. I will look at the other fixtures and they will all be on our Twitter page and Instagram page. But uh, that's it from me, Josh. Thank you very much. They were lovely. All the best, seven weekend. Uh, Ford yeah. said, yeah, it's, uh, it sounds like it's rife in Batol at the minute. So, yeah, keep yourself safe, everyone. But still, get out and about, go for runs, walks. And uh, yeah. yeah, if anybody's struggling, as Ford mentioned a few times on our platforms, Drop some message and uh, we're always here for a chat. But yeah, Ford, until next time, my friend. Catch you later. All the best in lockdown. See you, Josh. Bye. Thank you. Take care.